Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today, I'm joined by Ilya Milstein. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. Ilya is a graphic artist who was born in Milan, raised in Melbourne, and presently lives and works in New York. And I guess for people that are not familiar with you, a little bit of the background, you know, like how you got started, and, uh, and we'll go from there. I think like most illustrators or people work in like a kind of graphic arts field, I started off being like one of those weird kids who stayed inside drawing far too much. Um, was definitely like a childhood graphomaniac. And by the time I hit, I think, 18, I'd drawn in excess of like 2,000 pages of comics and so on. Wow. So, it was, so it was a big passion. Um, but I actually studied architecture straight out of school. I think that I, I don't come from a creative family and was very actively steered away from those sorts of careers. As a, as a kid um, and, a, and like was basically sold on the notion that architecture was somehow being an artist plus using a calculator, which of course, it, which of course isn't true. It's, it's entirely its own field and turned out to not really be for me. Um, so after a little while I went to, I transferred to art school. I initially applied for drawing, but was rejected. So instead studied conceptual sculpture um, for three years. Finished that, spent a couple years um, sort of oscillating between office jobs, um, occasional exhibitions this is in Melbourne, and picking up illustration work here and there, um, sort of by accident at first. And I reached a juncture where I was about 25 and not entirely sure what I was going to do with my future and felt that I was torn between three poles and needed to pick one of them. And I decided to give illustration a shot. So moved to New York and didn't really have a portfolio, had no understanding of the industry and no contacts in it, but um, found myself like a shoebox apartment, found myself a little studio and locked myself in until um, things started happening. That's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, I've always been kind of fascinated by architecture. I think that Pinterest, I know that like people kind of trash it or whatever, but I think it's interesting to see like what you have the most things saved of. And mm. it's funny because I'm really into graphic design, really into illustration, but my architecture board is just like forever growing and evolving. And I read like uh, Alan de Botton's Ar Architecture of Happiness. And then I really am into like mid-century modern um, buildings and furniture. And then I got into like brutalism and all this different stuff. And um, I think it's kind of cool that sort of the intersection of design and architecture. So that's kind of neat that that's a part of your story. What do you think it is that you like about architecture? I think what I love about architecture is that it's kind of very similar to design in that it's sort of the, the making and breaking of the grid. You know what I mean? It's all about clean lines mm -hmm. and law and order. And um, then at the same time, kind of breaking those rules. So um, on the one hand, I have these beautiful, um, like mid-century modern perfect lined houses and everything and but then I also too have these sort of weird Wes Anderson like places that I love so I, I don't know I just think it's kind of the the ultimate expression of design in a way but that being said it's not what I'm good at so I really appreciate it and and I, I feel like at this point I know what good architecture and good interior design looks like but I feel like mm. I I want to draw and I want to create and um, the communication of graphic design is really what I like. So I love all forms of design, but for me, the communication is the part that really gets me excited, you know? 
it's also about immediacy, I think. Like architecture, like graphic design is meant to be interacted with on the two-dimensional plane. Whereas architecture, like if there is an argument for it to be beyond utility, for like an argument for it to be the most ambitious or elevated of, um, of design forms, it's that it is, it is like thought and create and, and like creation inhabited. Um, so it's not just looking at architecture, it's experiencing it and like inhabiting it. So I think there, it is extraordinary in its potential and I respect it a great deal, but I think uh, to make a career in it is the different question. It requires a huge amount of patience. Um, projects take many, many, many years to complete with a great deal of compromise along the way. Right. And, um, and you really need to love it. I think incidentally that's true for all design fields. Um, these aren't necessarily easy careers. And out of the gate, you, you need to have an inkling that you really love this thing. Um, because it's never just a nine to five. There's sort of like a, a carefree nature, like a, I think it says in your Instagram, that's like a scribbling in NYC. I kind of like that because your work seems so carefree, but yet it seems like there's definitely a process behind it. So could you maybe speak to um, what that's like and, and how long did it take before you really nailed down a process? Well, firstly, thank you so much for saying that. Second, um, I think that I've always been moved by an element of crudity or rawness in something. I often think of, of Bob Dylan, uh, whose music really, really moved me when I was young, and still now, and think that so much of uh, his capacity to deliver the messages that he delivered in the 60s, so much of the point of entry for the listener was through uh, this scraggly and uh, by conventional standards, not particularly good singing voice, right. but there seems to be a kind of truth to it. Um, whereas if you think of like a slick crooner, like a Bobby Darren singing uh, Chimes of Freedom or something, it would be absolutely insane. To the same measure, I've always been moved by, I've never really been into visual art or, or, or cartoons or illustrations that were perfect, that were too clean. Um, it's part of the reason why I work on paper to do all of my line work. And I think that similarly, it can allow a viewer to, to receive like an image in a more empathetic way. At least that's been my experience looking at, at old comics and so on, as opposed to something that's just impossibly slick to photorealistic. Right. Uh, so to that effect, I, I draw everything on paper using, using a cheap, readily available fine liner. And although I draft, when, I, when I'm drafting in pencil and blue lead, I will, use, I will use traditional drafting tools. When I'm drawing, it's all freehand. So my line is kind of spidery and, and inconsistent and has almost a little bit of a nervous or childlike quality to it. Um, I think that's important. Simultaneously though, my scenes when they're more detailed tend to be very detailed and quite precise in the placement of things and the rendering of architecture. So I, want, so I guess I want my work to sit somewhere between uh, seeming, between visually, between being visually ambitious and technically accessible. 
Yes. If that makes sense. That's amazing. That's a great way to, that's like so well articulated. I love that. I think what I like about your work is it has sort of this familiar feeling. Like it sort of reminds me of like old comics and the color palettes are kind of like warm and, and, and um, they're simple, but they're also like from, from an, they seem like they're like from like an earlier, simpler time. You know what I mean? They're, they, they have a little bit of like, a, there's like a nostalgia to your work and a, and a simplicity. And, and I really like that. And I too have always kind of been influenced by sort of that, that more natural look. And it's, it's always fascinating to see how much of that is, um, is really just like your natural ability. Like I'm, I'm good friends with John Contino. And one of the things that he said about his work is that, you know, what makes him come up short is what makes his work his own. So like, he's not, he, he's not the best drawer in the world per se, but people can sense that it's actually like his hand at, at work. So I feel like yeah. it's, you want to be so polished, but sometimes just what you're capable of doing might just resonate with people because it's, because it is so real, because it's from a real place, you know? Well, I think that's almost, um, that's almost a definition of, of what art is. Um, right. And that, and that well, I mean, at least art coming from an earnest uh, place that isn't too self-referential and that, in that painters and illustrators and so on leading up to the, to the tail end of the 19th century effectively wanted to be cameras. And, and, and art is that slippage that occurs between, between, between our desire to capture the world and our inability to do so. Um, and, that's where, that. and that's where like the particularities of a certain person can really resonate. And part of the reason why I'm always drawn to um, slightly, uh, slightly analog processes, because I think those are better means of, of tracing um, one's, one's inabilities. I will also say that I, I often hold myself to a couple tests, one of which is if, like knowing who I was when I was 14 years old and found so much a company and relief in in old comics and old art would 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 a fourteen year old like that looking at looking at my work today feel the same way and see something approachable enough that they'd think oh i can I could actually maybe do that right. uh, the second test and I think this is where the nostalgia comes into play i mean also I think that I am just a li- i I do like a lot of old things. But I, but I think where the nostalgia comes into play is like the test I set for myself, like starting out three, four years ago, was if I were digging through, through a bin of magazines and newspapers in, a, in, in like a used bookstore or a junk store and put something, something out from the 40s and saw, this on a, and saw this on the cover, would I like it? Um, and that's the try. That's that's kind of all I'm trying to do with my work. Make something that I think I would like if I found it in a in a in like a one dollar bin in a yeah. junk store. I love that so much, and it's actually kind of weird to hear you say that because that's exactly where my mind has been. Um, mm. I recently went back to Dennisport, Cape Cod. That's where I used to go on vacation when I was a kid. My grandparents retired there and I go there a lot, but I had not been to the town where we used to vacation when I was a kid. And it's, if you've ever been there before, or I, if you haven't been there before, I strongly recommend going. Um, it's sort of this like picturesque Cape Cod 
you know, like a very like Americana old school, but there's definitely like a nostalgia there. You can, you can really feel it. And I was so afraid that things would be different. I actually said to my wife when we were driving there, I said that I'm either going to relive my childhood today or, or I'm going to destroy my childhood. And I was so happy to see that essentially that like nothing had really changed and, and all the old shops were all the same. But I remember uh, there was this room that we went to in this place called the Sunday School, but it's spelled Sunday like ice cream, like, like Sunday. It's actually a really cute name. <laughs> and on the back, it says, don't skip yeah. Sunday School, which is just like brilliant branding. I love going to like small towns and seeing like incredible moments of, of branding that are just like genuine and real. Like it wasn't done by like an advertising agency, but it was just done by like a local person with a great idea. I love that kind of thing. And I was, I was going through and collecting all these different shirts and visiting all these places. It all came back to me like that this was kind of where I fell in love with graphic design. And, and even as a, as a kid, I could really appreciate these little like attention to detail things or, or just even like the color of the t-shirt could, could be so cool, could make you want that shirt so bad just based on the color. And I really wanna try and apply that to my design. Because if, if I could be like eight years old and be like, wow, that's so cool, just intuitively. Because children are like very smart at sensing those things. And, and when I went back to that little gift shop, it was like, wow, like back then, I knew what great design was. And not great design in the sense of like awards or like, you know, like visual communication design, but just like moments of joy conveyed through graphic design. And, if, mm. and, and in a very simple, like rudimentary way. And I literally on the way back from that trip was like, I'm gonna go only gonna work with local businesses and make like cute little kitschy things. And I'm going to be the happiest person who ever lived. Maybe it's just cause I'm like nostalgic, but I just, I love that. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that's missing in today's culture. Like the, 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 the postcard that you wanna buy, the t-shirt that you need to have these, you're just providing moments of joy through illustration and graphic design. And that's so far away from, I feel like, what a lot of our industry is about, um, which is okay. And I think that those are two fundamentally different things. And one certainly pays the bills more, but I just want to get back to, to my roots of like, you know, if, and I actually thought that to myself. I was like, if I was a little kid and I picked up my work, would I think it was cool in the same way I thought that t-shirt that was cool, you know? Mm. In, in what ways do you think our industry isn't about that? Because I think in the way that you said that, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but in the way that, that work can be kind of like unrefined and be kind of natural, I feel like everything nowadays is, is very polished and, and, and safe. And then like for me, my personal favorite ads are, you know, like the Uncola 7-Up ads. And I'm a huge fan of like the Pushpin Studio, uh, Milton Glaser mm -hmm. and Seymour Quas were like a huge influence to my graphic design style. Um, and if you did that stuff nowadays, like it would be really hard to get that approved. And I think that that intuition is something that we need to get people who view graphic design, like, you know, like the person who's going to go buy that t-shirt. They, you can tell in, intuitively, even if you're not a graphic designer, you can tell like what looks good, like what pops. I agree. I think that, I think, um, Something I will say is that I don't think it's it's the place of of a company 
or even an art director to, to necessarily say conclusively what it is that people want. Um, now, there are many things that people want, but I think part of that is, uh, despite the fact that, uh, that, our, that our lifestyles have been so heavily affected by technology, I don't know to what extent our tastes have been as well. Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, we, we are excited about, about like a new iPhone in the same way someone, someone in like 1910 was excited by, by, by like a new like Nickelodeon film or wax cylinder player. I mean, mm -hmm. there will always be an interest in technology, but there are simpler things like, you know, people have been drinking wine and eating bread for, for 5,000 years and it's still, yeah. I mean, maybe shorter, maybe longer. Jesus was I'm definitely no anthropologist doing it. or historian, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was good enough for him. But but like <laughs> the point being, like that's still uh, people are still energized by those simple things. Right. Um, still moved by still moved by drama. Still um, still amused by comedy. And I think the same can apply for the way that illustration functions. I don't know. I will tell you when I was starting out, a lot of people who, uh, whose, whose opinions I really value told me that I was um, setting a glass ceiling for myself by, uh, by not including a component of my, of my portfolio or of my approach uh, in which, um, uh, wherein, wherein I executed things entirely digitally, like made it right. a lot slicker, um, similarly, a lot of people told me, uh, look at this scene, there are cracks in the sidewalk, there are, there are leaves, um, you know, there are leaves in the gutter and, and dirt smeared everywhere. No <laughs> one wants to see that. Um, and I completely see that argument, but I've been really privileged at this stage to have worked with, um, I think like four of the five big tech companies and to have done work in, in uh, real estate and so on. And um, they've been perfectly happy working with me, um, despite the fact that I'm, I still stuff the, you know, st stuff the gutter with leaves. So <laughs> I don't know. I think that hopefully my takeaway from that uh, uh, is, is that like, those are the things that actually resonate with people. And people aren't uh, as moved by everything being as futuristic and Tesla slick as possible. Um, right. A lot of people, you know, in the, like, you know, we all have scars, we all have cracks on our walls. Um, I think like the withered plant, the peeling paint are ultimately invigorating reminders of the natural order of things and, uh, and of uh, the passage of time. So the purpose of my podcast is to bridge the gap between entry-level creative professionals and illustrators, designers, UX, you name it. I'm kind of talking to everybody these days. Um, and people like yourself mm. who are uh, doing well and uh, are crushing it and are you know, working with companies like the Jackie Winter Group. Uh, and for people that are looking to get to that place, they're maybe in design school or maybe they're setting out on trying to get representation. Um, do you have any advice? Uh, it could be kind of broad or specific, but you know, in short, if you want to be an illustrator and you're looking, you're at the foot of the mountain, what advice would you give that person? Mm. Um, I, well, the first one is it's, it's both 
the it's both the best advice you'll ever get and the last thing you'll ever want to hear which is um uh don't put too much pressure on yourself to figure things out right away um i decided to become an illustrator full-time when i was i think 26 I'm 30 now. Um, I came to it quite late in the piece after several years of trying different things that I thought I wanted to do. And, and in some of those years when I was uh, a moments totally directionless, I was informed, I think, way too heavily by, uh, by anxiety around what I was doing and not nearly enough about, 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 um, by a capacity for pleasure or just for living in the moment. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I think one thing is uh, just as a kind of catch-all, don't be stressed if you don't figure out everything overnight. It can take a while and yeah. certainly did for me. Um, and sometimes the setbacks are more, are more informative than, than the victories. As for, as for a general practice, I think I think there is a truth about about illustration, um, which I could highlight by comparing it to to say commercial photography. So in commercial photography, you'll start with you'll start with some you know kind of limited equipment, uh, and but gradually the stakes will 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 keep on rising, and then towards the end you'll be shooting. Uh, royalty and pop stars in progressively nicer studios around um, progressively more animated and wonderfully eccentric uh, makeup artists and like and set assistants and so on and there is a real glamour in the field as you progress um not it's not quite the same with illustration the reality is that whether i'm drawing for myself or drawing for say like an apple or a google i'm sitting i'm sitting at the same desk alone listening to listening to like the same album on repeat uh <laughs> with you know with with a blank sheet of paper and a pen um now that's not to say that that there aren't obvious benefits for working for those clients um i th- I'd say foremost like the the best thing about working for for like say like a company like the New Yorker is that it will make you a better artist because those art directors have worked with people at the, at the height of the field. They, they, are, they are probably able to see your strengths much more clearly than you are and, and push you in a direction of building on them. Um, but it, it all kind of, it's all the same act in the same place. So, so at the root of it, you really need to love the act of drawing um, or the act of whatever you're doing because to, to to expect that it will be um, that that you'll be motivated more by the by like imagined glamour of it um, can be a little bit naive. So the thing to focus on now is what do I love this? What do I love about it? And how can I love it more? And I think that if you keep those attitudes in mind and always focus on being being yourself. Um, that's hopefully where things will start to happen. I love that so much. I really feel not to be like too woo woo about this, but I genuinely <laughs> feel like you're the perfect person that I need to be talking to. Cause like what you're describing is kind of like where, where I'm at. So I'm, I'm out of that part where, you know, when I, when you first leave school, like you're kind of just comparing 
your experience in the real world to your time at, at school. And I remember when people would say like, just do what you love for like five years or whatever and, and watch how it kind of comes to fruition. And I remember like in the second year, I was like, why is it not happening yet? And now I'm kind of going into like my, my fourth year of everything. And there's sort of a, a learned patience that I have now. And, and I can kind of start to see how the pieces are, are coming together, but it, it really does take a while to, to get going. And I wish that I was more kind to myself because the notion that I would come out of school and within two years, like know what I was doing. That's kind of a, that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? And I oh, was like, well, well, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be like, why can't I, you know, I would compare myself even with this podcast. You know what I mean? Just cause you can talk to somebody that doesn't mean that they're breadth of experience or their, their time working with great art directors and stuff like that. It just, it just takes time. And I would ask people like, what's your best advice for someone like myself? And they're just like patience. And I'd be like, Ugh, I don't want to hear about patience, but, but it really is that, you know what I mean? And, and, and over time you can't just stay up till three o'clock in the morning every night and, and wish it. I mean, it, it helps. And in some ways, like if you're doing it the right way, but I literally thought that I could expedite the process, but I've realized that it's sort of this pressure in time kind of thing that's happening. And, and it seems, it seems more attainable. Like I used to look at agencies that I wanted to work at and I was like, I'll never do it. But now the, the skills, whether it be working in Photoshop or comping something in Photoshop or using the brushes in Photoshop or Illustrator or, you know, editing in Lightroom and studio photography. Like the skill set is really kind of coming together. But now I look at it like I'm just at the beginning of my journey, even three or four years in. And then when I listen back to this in the future, this, what I'm saying right now is going to seem insane because <laughs> there are people that have worked in this industry that worked in it for 10, 20, 30 years. And only then did they get recognition or, or, or acknowledgement. So I think it's, it's a lot easier when you realize that your heroes probably it took longer than you think. It's always easier to compare yourself to, uh, to, to the youngest successful person in the field than right. to be, re than to be re reassured uh, by, by, by the older stalwarts of the, of the field. Right. Um, I think we are under, well, first of all, like, I, I know it's kind of hollow when someone who on the outside has the healthy career says, says worry about things less because like, of course, easy for you to say, right? Yeah. Um, and when you're young, but, your ego is crazy. When you're young, you're like, you don't know anything about my life, but really like it's oh, sound yeah. advice, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Although I will say, um, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone who's attained a certain level of success, but, um, and, 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 you know, and I don't even know how comfortable I feel saying that I've attained a certain level of success because I will say like, I still, I mean, it doesn't necessarily get any clearer. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. And I still have days of, of like enormous crisis where I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh, this is all trash. What am I doing? Yeah. So, um, so like if you're hoping for, a, for like a eureka moment for things to fall into place, that never really comes. Incidentally, I think it is um, important to hold yourselves yourself to some tough standards, not necessarily to, to younger contemporaries who are killing it. Um, I think that the best standard is always the best work. And 
you will throughout your career feel um, intimidated and sensation of being fraudulent when you're comparing yourself to your heroes. But I think that's a much healthier animus than trying to keep up with anyone around you. I think it's important to notice that like every year counts. Like if you're 28 and you're talking to a designer who's like 35, they have had like so much more time like on the court kind of thing. And it's so easy to be like, yeah, but I'm almost that old. It's like, yeah, but you're, you're kind of not though. It's like every, and people start their career at all different times. That's so true. I'm just like, you know, and these, these are obviously like sweeping generalizations, but people start the career at all different times. That being said, however many years like you've been in the field, every single one of those counts. Cause if you, if I was to look at my work from a year ago, it was it's like terrible compared to how it is now and every single one of those counts so like it's so easy to be like yeah i'm 25 and that person who's a creative director at that agency is like 35 we're almost the same age it's like you're, you're really not like there's just so much more time allocated towards holding the craft and um i think you yes. need to get a couple of years under your belt to get to a place where you're like oh, okay i see where this is going you know well i think that's really prudent because it's not just a matter of comparing um your age, like your biological age, it's a matter of comparing your professional age. Right. And having, and having worked in an industry for a year or, or less is a very different thing to having worked full time in that same industry for 10 plus years. Right. I did find that um, things didn't fall into place uh, without a great deal of hard work behind it. And I sort of made in moving to New York a bit of a Faustian bargain. I said, um, I, I, how, like, what would happen if, if, I, if I sort of sacrificed experiencing the city and, and forming, I think, meaningful relationships and friendships just for working really hard on this one thing? After, like, an, after being kind of aimless through my adult life, like, what would it feel like to be singularly dedicated to a career and to getting a folio together. Because something that's interesting about illustration is that the only thing standing between you and having the folio that you want is, um, is, is, is your ability and your time. Um, so to your earlier point, it is very easy um, to, keep, to keep on working until three at the night. But that said, you, um, you, you might be losing vital parts of yourself in the process. And it's important to, you know, it's, it's important to have fun and to have friendships and to go and see things. Like this feeds, um, this feeds who you are as a person and who you are as an artist. And, and the two should be quite uh, linked. Um, so you can fast track things to a certain extent, but it's not necessarily the healthiest thing for yourself. You know, personally, I love color palettes. I love uh, that, that feature on Adobe where you can upload a picture and kind of take the different colors from images and, um, how color is used to, it, it can, like even between like little shades, there can be such a difference in, in implication and, and everyone interprets them differently. But I love the color in your work. Can you maybe speak to where you find inspiration for that? Yeah, it's a funny thing. Like I- Can I have your color palettes? That's really what I'm asking you. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, anytime. Um, I, to I told Malika Farva when she was on the show, I was like, I say that's so white, by the way. Malika Farva. I told Malika when she was on the show that I was <laughs> going to lift her color palettes. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, she's, a, she, she's certainly a very fine person to take colors from. I, yeah. I, I can't speak for myself, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, <laughs> It's funny, uh, I, I, I will say 
Um, I think that at the root of it, the way that I color things, so, so different illustrators have different processes. For some people, um, it is, it's, it's very conceptual and, and, and it's a lot of sketching and trying, and trying to distill a thesis of an article or something into, into a clever graphical point. Um, while, well, while, while I'm, while like I love a lot of work like that, I figured out quite early on that it wasn't really for me and that what I really enjoyed doing was a kind of world building or just creating scenes. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, like, um, so, so for me, like when I'm starting with an exercise and particularly a full scene one, uh, the process is, is actually kind of stupid. It starts as like often just, I go for a stroll and try to picture what, what that room looks like, what that streetscape looks like. And, um, and then I'll, and then, I'll, and like, there might be some, there might be some colors in that kind of nebulous, uh, image. Uh, but then I'll sit down and tr and start just trying to commit it to the page. Um, I work with a really muted palette by and large. I almost never use bright colors. Mm -hmm. um, I love and that. Yeah, I think part of, thank you. I, I, I think a big part of that comes from, like, I am trying to uh, describe the way, the way, like, a place looks like in the mind or in the memory when I feel that things are a little bit simplified and 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 a little bit uh and almost like a little bit warmly dull um and I'll also say I um so so I just work with black lines and flat colors and that's a that's a limit that's one of the few limitations that I impose on myself technically and and in and doing so, as someone who uh, whose taste is as informed by uh, Dutch Golden Era painting as it is by other illustration work, um, part of yeah, the challenge. I need to see of your Pinterest I've... board. I need to see like your like your, oh, your sure. reference stuff. You gotta send me like the good shit. I need to. You need to I will, show I will. me what's up. <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah, I'll I'll put together a greatest hit compilation for Perfect. you. Perfect. That sounds. But good. um. But yeah, I think that like part of the, like it's almost a bit of a struggle is like, how do I use just flat colors and black lines without something looking too flashy um, or too like kind of poppy or harsh on the eyes? So the process of coloring is just tink is just this kind of lengthy tinkering. Um, I almost never go with the first color I choose to fill something. Um, and, do you use like the paint and, bucket tool? Like you said you do it by hand. I do. So yeah yeah in photoshop? Yeah, so, yeah so i do the coloring in photoshop with the paint pocket tool uh, well, well well i think there are simpler ways of um of creating that warmth in 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 uh kind of quite graphic image making uh in that like digitally and that you can add aging effects and paper textures and so on and so forth but I, I, while I love a lot of people who work that way, there's something about it that rings like a little bit just uh, dishonest about mm -hmm. it yeah. because it's not, it's, it's not being true to the medium that you're using. Right. And I think also it, it, it can become um, a little bit tautological um, when something mimicking paper is printed into a paper magazine or a newspaper. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, the color is really a combination of the way things feel in memory and, and, 
and trying to make something that feels, uh, that doesn't feel too stark, that feels harmonious while containing in some cases thousands of different colors. Dude, that's so fucking cool. I love it. Um, yeah, it takes a while. It definitely took like probably longer than anything else was figuring out how to approach colors properly. But uh, yeah. it, it really is like an intuitive process and you know, and, and you learn uh, by, trial, by trial and error. Oh, sorry. That's cool. One, one last nerdy question for you. Um, Please. So I know that you, you said that you do like by hand and stuff like that, but what do you do when somebody wants to make like, uh, like I know you said you mentioned that you work with, um, with like art directors and stuff. When you do it by hand and then you have to go and make revisions to something, um, is that, oh. does that happen digitally or, or do you then go do it by hand again? Well, 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 the first step of the process is uh, tearing my hair out, and <laughs> and and, and uh, you really you should know, get like I'm, an iPad Pro or something. I feel like this is like crazy at this point. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's um. You never do that. Thing, you never cheat. Uh, I try not to. Um, I, I applaud that. I, That's amazing. I'm, I'm so I'm, much lazier I, than you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like. I don't, I don't know if that's true necessarily, but like, I think so much of what I'm trying to do as someone who, who comes from a, from like a quite like an intellectual conceptual art background right. is made is, is making things that feel very honest and earnest and like honest to the materials they use. Right. Um, you know, I'm uh, like my, some of my biggest inspirations include uh include hieroglyphics and Aztec codices. Um, that is ways of communication that use, that use imagery in lieu of written language to tell a story and communicate a point. I love like the objectivity and, uh, yeah, I, like I love the objectivity of, of, um, of like hieroglyphics. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so coming from, anyway, back to the point, like coming from a background that is like uh, very much mired in like hyper self-referential processes and so on, and like wanting to work honestly, I, I'll almost always take, take the more complicated route if it feels more true. Now that's terrible advice to anyone because of <laughs> course you, like, you end up adding like, like hours and hours to processes when you don't necessarily need to. Um, by the same token, if I worked entirely in computer, um, you know, I tend to like, I, like if I need to draw like um, a brick wall in a, in a drawing, um, if I did it on computer, I would, uh, I would probably just need to draw like one brick or a couple bricks and then just copy them over and over. But right. instead I'm drawing hundreds of these things. <laughs> I kind of like bare knuckle hoping that I don't make any mistakes. Um, so it's like, it, it is like, it's a very clumsy process. Um, I feel like but, that's probably what makes it good though. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking at one, like now, now that I'm looking at it and you saying that it makes sense because that's probably why it looks so good. I'm looking so at I, one of the, we have bricks right here. Yeah. So, so I have, um, this is getting really into how the sausage is made. Um, I love it. Uh, but, um, I, I have the full Kyle T. Webster digital brush pack right. and, and, Endless, compl endless compliments to him. I, d I, I don't know him, but like the brush pack is remarkable and mm -hmm. is used to extraordinary effect by so many people. 
but I'm just yet to find, um, I'm yet to find a digital brush in there or anywhere else that mimics the kind of um, particularity and the roundness and the, and like the mistakes come best features of, of this, of this little Vietnamese made highlight, um, <laughs> fine liner that I've been using as my principal drawing tool since I was nine. Um, yeah. that's probably, that's probably another note as well. When you've been using this, when you've been using like, the one tool for so, so long, um, the, um, the, um, your, like, like your understanding of, of the medium becomes kind of, um, inexorably linked with that tool. Right. Um, so, uh, so anyway, the point of the story is I worked on a campaign a couple years ago for um, Red Bull Music mm -hmm. and I did a very, very detailed drawing and it was published at an enormous scale in, in Union Square Station in Manhattan, like kind of like printed, printed, um, you know, like 12 foot high and like 20 feet wide, like bizarrely large. And I, and I, and I, and I went to see it and was, it was a, the most surreal experience wow. I've had it, I've had professionally. Um, but I had to, I had to make some final revisions to that drawing and, uh, and I cheated and I did a couple of them using digital brushes. And of course, when I was standing there in front of, in front of this wall of my drawing, the only thing I could see it printed at that scale were, were, were those little areas where I'd cheated. Oh, um, no. So, so from that <laughs> lesson, I'd always, you know, I'd, I would always take, take a rockier path if it, if it takes me to a, to a preferred destination. I love that so much. That's perfect. Dude, this has been so much fun. Even if this whole thing didn't record, which by the way, it probably did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 99.9%. Um, this has been really great. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I want to be best friends with you. I'm glad that you live in New York. Likewise. And... Yeah, let's um, catch up once the world's done with ending. Exactly, um... exactly. It <laughs> seems like maybe it's starting to get better. Uh, who knows these days, but uh, thank it's you for impossible. doing this. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show and uh, very flattered that you thought to ask. So All where right. can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? So people can find me directly on my Instagram. It's at Ilya Milstein. On my website, iliamilstein.com, or through my beloved agency, the Jackie Winter Group, um, yes. in, in both the US and Australia. Those guys are the absolute best. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, yeah. thanks, brother. It's been really great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, man. Have a good one. See you. You too. Peace.